HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Sip, savor, and experience 408 sakes and 16 restaurants at the Joy of Sake on September 16th. Go to joyofsake.com for an evening of sake perfection. This is Chef Emily Peterson, host of Sharp and Hot. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network, broadcasting live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. If you like this program, visit heritageradionetwork.org for thousands more. song from the last five years of Let's Get Real, the cooking show about finding, preparing, and eating food here on Heritage Radio Network with me, Erica White's your host, and we're back. This is year five. Can you believe it? Year five of Let's Get Real. Episode 160, which doesn't actually seem like that many considering it's been five years, but there have been a few breaks in between. You know, girls got to take some time off. Speaking of... I just took some time off this summer. I took off quite a bit of time. As I'm sure you all noticed, I haven't been here. I just needed to take a break. I needed to kind of hang out to just like not do that much. And that's what I did. Like basically not much. I I mean, I I taught some and I did a little consulting work and stuff. But, you know, I hung out. I swam. I hiked. I grew tomatoes. I had really good tomatoes this year. First time. I grew way too many green beans, by the way. FYI, when gardening, don't plant the entire packet of green bean seeds if you don't enjoy eating green beans at every meal for three months. Just, okay, just saying. I could have set up a little farm stand. Um, I did some berry picking, of course. Picked the blueberries, picked the wine berries. Talked about that all in the past. I hung out with Ida. You all remember Ida, right? My favorite old lady friend, Ida. She's doing great. Um, oh, yeah, and I racked up a couple of great reviews at uh, my restaurant in Rye, Rosemary and Vine, where I'm the consulting chef. Uh, remember that? So we opened a year ago, and um, I mean, it's not my restaurant, right? I'm the consulting chef, and all the food is mine, and I own 1%. But the New York Times reviewed us in the Westchester dining section. Reviewed by the New York Times. They loved it. 
So did John Mariani, former Esquire food critic, now writes for the Huffington Post. He loved it, so uh, that's not something to sneer at. And I take credit, because, you know, reviews are about food, right? And what else? Oh, I worked on, like, a tiny little bit of a couple of, like, super secret projects that um, as soon as I'm legally able to share with you, I, I will. I'll talk about those. You'll be the first to know, believe me. So it was a fun three months, and... You know, I feel tanned and toned and well-fed and well-rested. Not exactly, um, I don't know, spiritually replenished or anything, but, you know, feeling okay. Kind of like a European person after their mandatory six weeks of vacation. Sort of like that. But you, the people, have spoken, well, two of you people have spoken and asked when the show was coming back with new shows. So how could I let down two fans, two listeners, two of you? You guys know who you are. You both wrote to me and you said, please come back. We miss you. And as they used to say in the pre-internet network TV days, this bud's for you, people. This show, it's for you, you too. So thanks for speaking up. And for the rest of you, well, you can listen too. It's okay. All right, so a couple of um, changes are afoot here in the foodiness fallout shelter, which is where we are in the shelter. A few changes. <clears throat> Sorry, are at foot. And, I mean, actually, the shelter is the, totally the same. The shelter looks good. As a matter of fact, the shelter fridge here is now filled with tiny little cups of Sabra hummus, which I'm very excited about. Thank you, Sabra hummus, for being our big new sponsor here at Heritage Radio because I love me some hummus. And I love those little cups full of Sabra hummus with the tiny pretzels. Even though it's a lot of packaging, it's okay. So now there's snacks for me, which is awesome. Remember I was looking for the perfect snack? Hummus could potentially be the perfect snack. But anyway, changes in the foodiness fallout shelter. So um, it's looking really good in here. Dave took really good care of it over the summer. And now we have a biomass fuel-fired HVA system. Did you know that? We have a biomass fuel-fired HVAC system that I built last winter. I forgot to tell you guys that I was building this, but I'd come in here on my days off, you know, with my little hammer and stuff, and I built it. And, um, oh, HVAC is heating, ventilation, and air conditioning, by the way, if you're not down with the lingo. But biomass is awesome. You know about, you guys know about biomass? You know what this is? It's like using up stuff like agricultural waste products to create energy. So, like threshed wheat stalks. Stuff that they would normally give to animals to feed, you can also use as fuel. Wheat stalks, orange peels, broccoli stems, because people are too stupid to eat the broccoli stems instead. And so you can... No, not broccoli stems. Just kidding. Okay, so my biomass fuel-fired HVA system is um, just cranking it up down here in the shelter. And my biomass fuel is even better than anything like that, than, you know, wheat stalks or pineapple tops or grass clippings or, you know, any of your traditional biomass, because my biomass is the ultimate foodiness fuck you to the food industry. Because while I was on break, I was doing a little bit of sleuthing and a little bit of discovery investigation research. And I discovered get this, that there is a gigantic, huge, massive, all the same word there, underground storage facility in Staten Island under the Fresh Kills landfill. Did you know this? I bet you didn't. The Fresh Kills landfill, which, if you don't know what that is, 
was the largest gar- garbage dump in the country for nearly a century. So large that it created basically a mountain on Staten Island, which is now covered in grass and is soon to become a New York City park, albeit a park built over a massive festering dump of New York City's old diapers and phone books and mafia hit bodies and dirty mattresses from the last 75 years. But it's on Staten Island, so do we care? No, not really. Anyway, it's going to be a park. The landfill, but underneath the landfill, nobody knows about this. I just found out about this. Underneath the landfill, in the secret massive underground storage facility, there lurks, slowly going stale and decomposing, the largest containment of out of fashion, off trend, expired, nutritionally debunked, and forgotten foodiness products in the world. It's the world's largest foodiness graveyard. I know. I didn't know any of this either. I discovered it through my own scrupulous investigation. I know. It's very exciting, right? I'm super excited. I don't get excited about that much anymore, but this is pretty cool. This is like finding like Tutankhamun's tomb. But instead of gold and riches, it's filled with old packages of Carnation Instant Breakfast from 1983 and Pepsi Clear and tons and tons of margarine products, including the famous Squeeze Parquet and billions of variations on the granola bar and trillions of liters of expired baby formula, which, as you know, I call the original foodiness gateway drug. Baby formula. That is not a criticism of women who cannot breastfeed. Okay, let's not get the whole like lactation world after me about this one. I understand there are women who can't breastfeed and have to use formula. But, come on. The original food in his gateway drug is the best line ever. And also in that massive underground bunker of foodiness products is what may be the best, worst, and forever immortalized here product in the foodiness pantheon the Snack Wells cookie. The Snack Wells cookie. Do you remember these? The last gasp of the low fat industry. The Snack Well. That vestige of the fat phobic 90s. The Snack Well. A cookie that had no fat, but was replaced with sugar. So much sugar that it came with a free bonus insulin shot in every package. A manufactured, processed, fat free nightmare that only the American foodiness industry could have dreamed up. And one that may have been responsible for more obesity and diabetes than even the soda industry. Okay, well, maybe, okay, not the soda industry. Let's not get carried away here because, you know, soda. But I'm just so excited about the Snackwell stash because who knew? You could run an entire heating, cooling, and ventilation system on stale 25-year-old Snackwell's cookies, right? It's amazing. Thank you, 1990s fat phobia, for overproducing by the ton horrible fat-free cookies that are so loaded with sugar that they ignite instantly into a clean blue flame of pure light and heat, like, like ethanol, practically. No more greasy smoke from any nasty fats, just the cleanest bluish flame, like the first natural gas to seep out of the primordial ooze and be ignited by lightning. Or at least that's how I assumed fire first happened. I don't know. I wasn't there. Not that old. So as we speak today, September 13th, 2016, actually five years to the day of the launch of Let's Get Real, by the way, five years ago today, Facebook reminded me of that. 
as we speak, there's an 18-wheeler tractor-trailer truck parked outside the shelter entrance with several tons of Snackwell's cookies stacked up on pallets, waiting for us to just open the shelter hatch and slide them on down here. Now, you remember Jack? Jack Inslee, our beloved Jack, former engineer. Jack. Jack and I were together here since he was like 12 years old. Jack was a youngin' when we first started. Now, it used to be Jack's job to unload the pallets of delivered product here, but sadly, or good for Jack, he has left us for the greener, deeply divided pastures of Washington, D.C. to run his own radio station. We love you, Jack. Good luck. So our newish Jack, named Dave, who's not Jack, Dave's going to have to be the guy now. Thanks, Dave. Now, I know it wasn't, oh, were you about to say something? I saw you stand up. I was just going to say you're welcome. Oh, yeah. I mean, you could lift pallets off a truck, right? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, you could do it. Yeah. You'll be fine. So I know it wasn't exactly in your job description, Dave, to unload the pallets off the truck, but I but just think of it as part of your daily workout, okay? It's like more steps on your Fitbit or your Apple Watch or, you know, whatever you use to track, okay? And, you know, your nice Jewish girlfriend will be very happy because you'll be all buff, okay? So it's all good. Or maybe instead of you, Dave, actually, I was thinking maybe we could get an intern. Hmm. The best kind of, of help. The best kind of labor, right? An intern. Yeah, unpaid. Yes. Hmm. Do you think that the NYU Department of Food Studies would approve an intern to help out here unloading the cookies and shoveling them into the plasma reactor and controlling the thermostat? Perhaps. I think so. They're, I do. Yeah. They're pretty scarce on morals over there anyway, so. <laughs> Good to know. So if anybody knows anyone with an idealistic food-obsessed kid, kid at NYU who's already sadly spending a half a million dollars of your money on education to get a job in food policy who will just end up as an intern after graduation anyway because there are no jobs in food policy, um, just let me know, okay? Because we'll take them down here, but they have to be kind of strong. Ability to lift a pallet is a job requirement. Anyway, where was I? Oh, yeah, yeah. We were going to talk about changes to the show, and I got all excited about the new biomass fuel system. So we're going to take a break, and when we come back, we'll talk about the show. The Joy of Sake invites you to the largest and liveliest sake tasting event in New York. With over 400 premium sakes to taste, including gold and silver award winners from the U.S. National Sake Appraisal and 16 of New York's top restaurants providing sake-licious appetizers. The event takes place on Friday, September 16th from 6.30 to 9.30 at the Metropolitan Pavilion on 18th Street. You'll be able to sip, savor, and experience a record 408 premium sakes, all in peak condition, with over half of them unavailable in the U.S. and exclusively for the joy of sake. All categories of sake will be represented, with over half from the elite Daiginjo sakes. Plus, nibble on sake-inspired appetizers, all carefully curated and perfectly paired with two creative poke stations by Narita and Sakamai, plus elegantly crafted appetizers from Sushi Nakazawa, Sakagura, Zuma, and more. 
Celebrate the world's finest sakes in an evening of sake perfection at the Joy of Sake. For more information, go to joyofsake.com. Welcome back to Let's Get Real, the cooking show about finding, preparing, and eating food on Heritage Radio Network. Are you kidding? Sake and poke all in one place? How many sakes, Dave? 400 and something? Yeah, 400. Oh, my God. Who could taste that many sakes? Maybe uh, Phil around the corner at oh, Momo. Oh, yeah, he's a big guy. Thank you for saying it properly, by the way. Sake. Not, sake. Not sake. Yeah. Oh, sake. Hot sake. Or Ida, who I love. But Ida says sake. Like, Ida, it's not sake. Sake. As opposed to sake, which is salmon in Japanese. Oh, I did not know that. Sake, sake. Could be a little confusing when you're ordering, right? Yeah, well, I guess the subtleties of pronunciation. Subtleties of pronunciation. I know. Language. It's complicated. Anyway, <clears throat> welcome back. So as I said in the first segment, I've made a few changes to the show that I just want to kind of warn you guys about, okay? Because things are going to change here a little bit. Because after five years, it's a little hard to keep coming up with shit for this show, okay? So I'm just putting it out there. So if you're like, this is not like the old show used to be, you're not going to write to me and complain because I'm just putting it out there right now, okay? Things change over time. People evolve. Concepts evolve. Art changes. This is art. So... I made a few changes to the show, specifically the show format, okay? Because as you know, I don't just sit here down in the shelter and make this stuff up as I go along. I know it sounds like it because it all sounds so like free and like I'm just coming up with it and extrapolating, but I don't. I actually sit down and I write the whole 30-minute masterpiece out every week. Every Tuesday morning, I get up in a panic and I panic and I panic until about 9.30 or 10. And then I sit down and I frantically write until the very last minute. And then I run to the subway and I come here and I do it. I can't really do that anymore. It's just not working for me. Oh, and by the way, we're at a new time. Did you notice? Two o'clock. Okay. We're at two o'clock now. People not one. So change your calendars. So I do have an extra hour to write now in the morning. But that just means I'll sleep an hour later and I'll procrastinate another hour. So it's not good. Anyway, you'll be excited, or I'm assuming you'll be excited. I'm excited to hear that I'll be having other people on the show this season. Other people. I know. Other people. Other than Kristen Wartman, our in-house nutrition educator, who is a semi-regular. You all know her. You all love her. And she'll be back on for sure. I mean, Kristen is a part of the team here. She's part of the Hall of Fame. Um. And she'll be back on. But we'll have a few other special guests, too. Oh, and by the way, speaking of the Hall of Fame, the foodiness wall of fame, Cousin Robin, Cousin Robin, who is a foodiness success story, and we've talked about her a lot, and she listens to every show. Cousin Robin had a baby boy this summer. Yay, baby boy, Cousin Robin. Woo. Named. Oh. <laughs> hey, thanks. His name is Gus. August, but they call him Gus, and he's super cute. So Mazel Tov, Cousin Robin, foodiness success story. Robin even has an episode named for her from a couple years ago called, And If It Doesn't Come From a Nipple, It's Not Milk Either. That's Robin's episode. So yay, Cousin Robin, Baby Gus. Anyway, so we have to put a picture of Baby Gus up on the um, Wall of Fame too. Anyway, so we're going to have some guests. 
Of course, Kristen will always be back. And Cousin Robin, if you want to call in from L.A. while you're on maternity leave, you could be a guest any other time. But we're going to have a few other special guests, too, because it's more fun to have company. You know, who wants to sit down here by themselves? And I, I, you know what? I have to learn to share the spotlight. No more. Dave's nodding. No more massive ego show for me down here. I have to share the spotlight. So I'm going to have a few semi-regular guest co-hosts. Semi-regular guest co-hosts and also just guests, okay? Because it'll be more fun. And due to popular demand, actually, I think maybe one person wrote in to ask this. I'm going to be getting back to some of the stuff I used to discuss back in the Why We Cook days. Ooh, the Why We Cook days, like the old, old days. You were in like third grade, Dave, during Why We Cook, I think. Why We Cook was my first Heritage Radio show. It launched eight years ago in the wee early dawn of podcasting. That was after the main course, Why We Cook was the second ever show on Heritage Radio. Okay. And it was about food and cooking. It was much more sort of traditional. But there was a lot of good stuff discussed then. I think some of it merits revisiting. Some of it should be revisited. So we're going to bring some of that back. It was before I invented foodiness. Okay. Well, I didn't actually invent foodiness. The USDA, Earl Butts and Donald Rumsfeld invented foodiness. I just coined the term for it five years ago. Who's Earl Butts? You don't know who Earl Butts was? Well, look it up. Okay. I'll tell you. Earl Butts was uh, Secretary of Agriculture in the Nixon administration. Boo. Who changed the farm subsidy policy that created the massive, huge glut of industrial corn, wheat, soy, and sugar that we now funnel into ourselves all with the blessing of the USDA so-called dietary guidelines. So the reason we're all hugely obese and eat tons of sugar and processed grain is because of Earl Butts and farm policy. That's very simplified, but it's his fault. And Donald Rumsfeld, of course, because everything is his fault. And Nixon. Oh, and Reagan. I blame Reagan for pretty much everything. Anyway, we're going to have a lot of fun with some guests and some co-hosts, and we're going to talk more about food and cooking than I have been for a few years. Okay, so... That's what's going to change. And if you have any complaints, you can send them on a postcard to Dave the Engineer, P.O. Box 2794-812-161820, Foodiness Fallout Shelter, Brooklyn, New York. I look forward to hearing from you. It's going to be mail, okay, not email, like old school. We have a little mailbox. You're going to have to go find a stamp. That's going to be tricky because I don't even know how much it costs to mail a letter anymore. Okay, now before we get to all of that, because that's all going to happen over the next few weeks, there are... One or two things that I do need to discuss with you guys. A few oh-so-special little products that have slithered down the foodiness pipeline while we were away. A couple things I've been kind of saving up to discuss. And a few things that have hit the the virtual press these days. And um, I've just been keeping track of them. I have like a little list on my desk, a little handwritten list, waiting for this day to come when we can once again discuss... So let's take another brief break. And when we come back, we're going to discuss what's new in the world of foodiness. We'll be right back.
Welcome back from our very short musical interlude break. Sorry for the pause. I caught Dave by surprise. I thought he was going to talk about the sake and poke again. All right. Now, the first thing we need to discuss, first item on the agenda of this year's Let's Get Real is Gatorade. Gatorade. Now, okay. You know how I feel about sports drinks, right? I mean, in fact, there have been multiple episodes of past Let's Get Real shows devoted solely to the topic of sports drinks. We've beaten the sports drink to death, flogged it. And you know my party line on the sports drink, and my party line on them is no. That's my party line, just no. You don't need them. Don't drink them. No sports drinks. Unless, of course, you're a true endurance athlete, right? Running like eight or ten or more miles a day or let's say playing, you know, a full-on sport like soccer, football, in the hot equatorial sun for two hours, like in Ecuador. Okay, then maybe. But otherwise, you don't need a sports drink, okay? Overweight Candy Crush player lady on the subway, you don't need a sports drink. Sorry, you're not working quite hard enough to need rehydration fluid. Five-year-old child riding in a stroller instead of walking. Uh, no, sorry, you don't need a sports drink either. You're not dehydrated. Clueless suburban mom who lets her kids guzzle the blue and green and red and purple dyed sugar water because she stupidly thinks it's better than soda. Um, well, you're just an idiot, and we're taking away your children, and we're sending you to re-education camp. Oh, remember that? Remember foodiness re-education camp? Those were really fun episodes. We had so much fun at camp, and we haven't had one in a few years. So um, we're going to do it again. We're having a foodiness re-education camp again. It's coming up. Watch our website for the details. But anyway, yeah, you, clueless suburban mom, um, we're coming for you. Okay. Now, as I have said on past episodes, back when I was a semi-serious runner, I ran semi-serious runner, If I were to be running a race, let's say, of more than like five miles or a long training run for the marathon, a few tiny sips of a sports-type drink would definitely revive my flagging energy. You need that. When you work out beyond a certain level, you do need to replenish your electrolytes. You need some salt. You need a little bit of glucose. And I was really surprised at how well that would work, a few little sips. That little hit of sugar and salt really helped. And when I used to run races with New York Roadrunners, which is the running group here in New York that organizes races, on shorter runs or on shorter races, they would only have water stations. But on longer races, like things above a 10K, which is like six miles, they would have little cups set out of what I think was watered-down Gatorade. Anyway, I would take a few tiny sips. I'd replenish my glucose and my salt, and I would be good for the finish. I could feel the difference. If I had more than a couple sips, though, I felt like puking, so I wouldn't do that. Okay. Now, a few sips is what I'm talking about. Not a 20-ounce bottle with 45 grams of sugar and 10 grams of blue dye, okay? Because if I had a sound clip of Howard Dean screaming right now, I would play it because that's how I feel about sports drinks and their overuse. Howard Deaton, okay? Now, occasionally, when I was working on increasing my own mileage, I'd make my own sports beverage with water and powdered green tea, matcha tea. Oh, my God, you found it. He sounds a little more jubilant than I remember, though, so I don't know if it's the right kind of scream, but thanks. Powdered green matcha tea, water, salt, and some honey. And that worked really well. 
Okay, that's how I'd feel after I drank it. That worked, and it wasn't dyed Windex blue, and it wasn't sweetened with corn syrup, and it worked. So why do I bring this up yet again? What am I getting at here? What is it that it takes me 26 minutes to get to every week this time? Because Gatorade just announced that, I can't even say this, I'm getting so upset. They are introducing, wait for it, organic Gatorade. Organic Gatorade. Okay, now if there's a textbook example of foodiness, I could not have invented it better myself. Organic fucking Gatorade. Made with organic sugar, um, which is, by the way, uh, still sugar. And organic FDA-approved dyes. Um, You know, they're still just dyes, right? And organic synthetic vitamins. Uh, Nope, there's no such thing. Organic Gatorade. This (laughs) makes my head almost explode. This makes my head literally implode and explode at the same thing. The utter ridiculousness of this is gobsmackingly profound as adam my husband would say my flabber is gasted okay you can't take a completely artificial synthetic non-food product and make an organic version of it you can't make an organic version of something that was never an inorganic I, i i can't even explain you can't do it you can't make organic gatorade it doesn't work it's not a food product you can't make an organic version of it it's like saying there's organic windex Because that's what Gatorade is. It just adds sugar and it's Windex. Okay? It's Orwellian. It's double speak. This truly is organic Gatorade. Orwellian. I just can't. I can't. I have nothing left to say. That's it. I'm going to. I'm done. Oh, well, look at that. Luckily, we're out of time. So I can be done because this has left me without speech. Organic Gatorade. I can't. I can't even get into it. So. Anyway, that brings us to the end of the premiere episode, the season premiere of Let's Get Real, season five, episode 160. Remember, things are going to change around here. I don't want any complaining, all right? There are now over a million podcasts on iTunes, and I know your podcast listening time is limited, and I appreciate that you listen wherever you listen, on the Heritage Radio Network website, on my website, on iTunes, on Stitcher, wherever. But just remember, five years later, to the day, and 160 episodes later, if you don't want to eat shit, you have to keep listening to Let's Get Real, the cooking show about finding, preparing, and eating food. Thanks to Dave Tat in the engineering booth. Thanks to Ben Kaplan, who wrote my theme song all those years ago, and Chris Nutter, who helped me develop the show originally. I am Erica Wides, your host. Follow me on Twitter at Let's Get Real Show, and we'll see you next week. for listening to this program on heritageradionetwork.org. You can find all of our archived programs on our website or as podcasts in the iTunes store by searching Heritage Radio Network. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at heritage underscore radio. You can email us questions at any time at info at heritageradionetwork.org. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization. 
To donate and become a member, visit our website today. Thanks for listening.